Welcome to the Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. We are your hosts, Cassie and Chelsea. I'm Cassie, a single mom living with a chronic illness who is extremely passionate about living a full and happy life. And I'm Chelsea. I have a passion for helping people to put themselves first and to be the best version of themselves each and every day. We came together to create the Spoonie Hub, an uplifting community that offers resources, guidance, support, and offers you the space to be yourself, be heard, and feel understood. We hope that by providing tips and tricks from experts, we help people with chronic conditions to thrive and live the lives they've dreamed of. This show is not only for those who live with a chronic illness or disability, but their friends, family, spouses, and just anyone else existing on the earth. Our goal is to normalize having a chronic condition by sharing real stories with real people and to show the world how relatable those everyday struggles can be. There's a little something in here for everyone. And a special shout out to our community at the Spoonie Hub. Thanks to your contributions, we are able to provide flexible work opportunities for Spoonies, donate to our nonprofit to help provide wellness treatments for those who need it, and be able to transcribe our podcast to make it more accessible for all. To learn more, visit our show notes. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. Today, we had a great interview with Nathan Olson. Nate was diagnosed with severe Crohn's disease at 17 and was told that he would never be off medication and lucky to avoid surgery. After about five years of trying and seeing no results with every medication they had at the time, he became completely obsessed with becoming radically healthy and one of those people who's truly in love with life. It's taken him 13 years, but in the last three, he has been medication-free, flare-free, and in the best health and shape of his life. So of course, we always like talking to people that have health and fitness backgrounds because that's what our background is. But Nate was a really refreshing perspective. Uh, A lot of personal trainers I've talked to are all about like, it's what the exercise is, it's the nutrition, it's all that stuff. And that's not how Nate views it at all. He looks at health as being this really holistic thing. It's about what your thoughts are. It's about what you're visualizing. It's about how you're talking to yourself. And so we have a really great conversation going through what his story was, his experience. We find out how he got his girlfriend. Oh, you spoiler alert. (laughs) It just makes me so happy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was a really great conversation. And if you want to hear more from Nate, of course, you can follow him on Instagram and Facebook and listen to his podcast, The Chronic Warrior, but you can also find him as an expert on the Spoonie Hub. So for our hub members, hub community, you can get some extra special Nate content as well. But check out this episode. Let us know what you think. We had a great time talking to him. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. We're talking with Nathan Olson. Thank you, Nathan, for taking time to chat with us today. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Yay. We're excited to have a guy to talk to. We really are. (laughs) Because y'all, we really are aware that we've talked to a lot of females and there are a lot of females out there that have chronic illnesses and disabilities, but we know that you dudes are out there too. So yay, we get to talk to a guy. (laughs) I think think, honestly, the girls are just a little bit more willing to talk about it. Maybe Mm -hmm. the guys are like, I gotta be tough, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Until they're in the hospital. And then, yeah, 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 exactly. Then they're 
babies. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Exactly. <laughs> you guys are super we're, we're just kind of babies all, all along. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Nathan, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you've gotten to where you are today? Sure, sure. Well, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease um, when I was 17. I was an athlete up to that point. I was a gymnast. I was super fit. I thought I was eating well. I wasn't really. I had a lot of Domino's pizza and Taco Bell in there, you know, high school diet. And I lost 30 pounds in about 25, 30 days. And I didn't have it to lose. I was 155 pounds at the time. I was six feet tall. So you could see my ribs. They had to wheelchair me into the hospital because I couldn't really walk. Um, I mean, I could, but it was like a couple steps and then I'd have to sit down. Um, So they did a colonoscopy. I remember waking up from the colonoscopy to the doctor telling my dad, your son has severe chronic, uh, severe Crohn's disease. He's never going to be able to get off medication. He's going to be lucky if he avoids surgery and he's going to be sick for the rest of his life. And that's literally what I woke up to. Like, that's my first memory of waking up from the doctor. Mm-hmm. So they put me on a severe, uh, not a severe, a uh, heavy amount of prednisone. Uh, I think it was 80 milligrams. And that ended up being the only thing that really worked, which if you're familiar with that drug, it's not something you really want to be on. Uh, I don't think you really want to be on any drugs for a long period of time, but especially that one. So they kept on trying me on a, probably a dozen different things. Nothing worked. Some made me worse. And I just kept on having to go back to the prednisone. And that was the only thing that would ever pull me out of a flare because I would be flaring every other month, every two months for like a month. I would be down. So this was for probably six or seven years. Um, I lost jobs. I missed school. I missed also, you know, all sorts of stuff. So the last medication I was on was Remicade and that was $5,000 a bag, (laughs) which is expensive. (laughs) Fortunately, my insurance paid for it. But I remember talking to one of my friends, I was going to personal training school at the time because I had started to get really involved in fitness and nutrition and like, okay, let's try to figure something else out because this clearly isn't working. I'm 24 years old and I feel like I'm 95. Like this Mm -hmm. is not fun. I do not like this, especially coming from a background of an athlete. Like I wasn't someone Mm -hmm. who just sat around. Right. So I was talking to this girl and she also had Crohn's disease and she had been on Remicade and she said, oh, that, that drug gave me arthritis. And I'm not saying that's true at all. I don't know if it did or not, but it scared me enough to be like, I'm 24. I don't (laughs) want to get arthritis and Crohn's disease. I need to do something radical. And that's when I started looking into um, becoming a life coach because I was like, all right, I can't hold down a job clearly because I'm sick all the time. So I need to stay home, something that I want to stay home. I want to help people because by that time, I'd realized that life is all about helping people. Like you get a lot of joy from that. I want to, I want to get out of this myself and I'm focusing a lot of time and energy into fitness and nutrition and all this other stuff. So how can I turn that into something that I can make money from? Cause I need money. And I, I was so naive to life coaching that I thought I coined the term. I was like, Oh, I know I call myself a life coach. That's genius. That's brilliant. I'm so smart. And I like triple underlined it and then, you know, go Google it, of course. And it's like, Oh, there's, it's been invented already. You silly. Yeah. Um, so I enrolled in a life coaching Academy and I was like, I'm going to become the greatest coach in the world. And this is when I was 25 and 
after a couple months in that academy, I was like, man, I'm, I, I thought it was the coolest thing on planet earth. You know, I, I don't know if you guys experienced this, but when you, after you read a few self-development books or first get involved in something like that, you read a couple books and you think, you know, everything. You're like, yep. Been there, done that. This. <laughs> I know everything. Uh, so if you're in that place right now, just save yourself that embarrassment. Um, so that lasted for about a year. And then I realized, oh, wait, I know absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And so now we're about 26. And that's when I, I was still using prednisone just to combat flares because I, I could not get out of a flare without medication. But then I would go off the prednisone, which my doctor hated. Uh, and I'm not telling you to do this. I'm not a doctor, but that's just, that's just what I did. And eventually I got to the point where I could pull myself out of a flare without medication. And the first time I did that, I was like, whoa, that is, that's awesome. Um, but it really came down to, I was telling uh, Cassie before the interview that um, I, I was doing everything right for the first six years as far as nutrition and fitness and all this stuff, supplementation, but I wasn't right up mm-hmm. here. I was depressed. I had panic attacks. I had anxiety. And I b- firmly believed that doctor and about a dozen others who told me that you have a chronic illness and you're never going to feel good again. Like, sorry, buddy, you drew the bad end of the deck sucks, mm-hmm. you know, too bad. Um, and it's hard to get out of something when, when you believe you can't. So that's become a real area of passion for me is just trying to, there needs to be more voices out there that are like, no, the, the science coming out actually pretty firmly supports that you can overcome or at least get to a point where you have your life back. A, a majority of these chronic illnesses, especially Crohn's disease, other people have done it. And there needs to be people that are saying, you know, it's hard, mm-hmm. but maybe through medication or maybe you can get off medication, but you can definitely get your life back. So I've become very, very passionate about helping people do that and just live again. Totally feel you on that. I mean, that's totally why we're doing this is same thing. Like so passionate about helping people. And um, yeah, I, I did Remicade as well for two years and um, I was totally terrified of it. Also, I was terrified to start it. I put it off for like over six months when the, yeah, my, my diagnosis was I had the GI, she, she, I was in there with my son Um he was, oh my God, how old was he? Seven, eight. And, um, and the doctor turns to me and she's like, out of the people in this room, you know, you and me and your son, you are 10 times more likely to die than I am because of your Crohn's disease. Why would she say that to you in front of your son? Like, I'm sorry, yeah. what? And I was just like, okay, I'm already fucking terrified right now. Thanks. You know? And she's like, if you didn't get on these medications, you know, you, you could die basically. And she like terrified me about the medications because I grew up in a very like holistic alternative medical world. So I didn't want to try the medications and I did a full six months, um, over six months since my diagnosis from a colonoscopy, um, because I was sick for like two years before that too, but I gave it a good try. And then I did Remicade for two years and I've kind of always talked about it. Like it got me out of crisis mode, Mm -hmm. but 
I was so sick the whole time. And I thought it was my Crohn's the whole time. All the symptoms that I kept having, um, crazy symptoms, like, yeah, a lot of joint pain, which I didn't really have before and a bunch of other stuff. Um, you guys can listen to it on my journey. This is not my episode. This is Nathan's episode, but I'm just saying that I too was afraid of, um, the drugs and I got off of Remicade and I did Stellara for about 18 months and I had a lot less joint pain, a lot less, um, side effects. And then now I'm on Intivio. And so I totally, and I'm, what am I like three weeks into Intivio Chelsea or a month, maybe like super, super fresh into it. And so three weeks, yeah, just had your second infusion last week. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit the reason I bring this up is because I had to get off of the Stellara and not take the certain doses, um, to give a break between one biologic to the next and starting in Tivio. And there's that little part of me in my mind that was like, maybe I'll just try no medication. Like maybe I'll just give it a go again. It's been four years, three, three years, three years that maybe I'll give it a try, but oh my gosh, like my symptoms were just so much more that I have to admit that I got kind of afraid not to have the medication. Um, and so I would love to hear a little bit more for those listening who might also have IBD and have those same kind of fears and be experimenting with potentially different drugs or possibly getting off of drugs, which again, we're not professionals. We don't recommend you do any of that, but could you just share a little bit of what it was like for you making that decision and then coming off of the Remicade and going into the more, like you said that you had the prednisone to help manage some of the really big flares. Um, and I think every, through our conversations that we've had on this podcast and in various other groups and connections, everyone experiences the same uh, disease or diagnosis so differently. Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting, even for you to say, like, I would have a month of like a really bad flare. The prednisone would help me get out of it. Um, like for me, that hasn't been the same experience. I'm kind of just like always what feels like I'm in always like a mild flare. And then I have like a few days or weeks where it's like really bad. And then I kind of go back. Like, I just haven't had any kind of control or symptom management in the four years that I had my diagnosis. So I think it would be cool to just hear a little bit about like your experience of, like I said, the medications, uh, steroids, and then not medications and what that sort of like looked like for you. And I'm making wavy hand motions for those of you who are listening <laughs> of like a roller coaster signifying. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You say that you have not really felt good in the entire four years, because when I say I would flare really bad and then. I, I was the same. I didn't, you never really feel good. Like there'd be one day where I was like, I kind of feel like myself. This mm-hmm. is crazy. And then the rest of the time, it's like, you have a fever, you have a headache, your knees hurt, your back hurts. You can't sleep. There's something, there's always like something, your brain's foggy. You can't think there's something wrong. So mm-hmm. in that sense, yeah, I, I totally get that. I was just trying to pull myself out of, you know, losing. Cause I would lose 20 pounds again. Yeah in like a month and you can't just continue to do that. You'll just kind of waste away into nothingness. Um, as far as coming off medication, I think this, this, there's a, there was a key pivot point for me when I was 24 or 25 that I kind of glossed over. And I specifically remember it. I was driving down the road and the rain was coming down and I really needed to get to the bathroom and I was in my car, which is not fun. And that happens a lot when you have Crohn's disease and it, I just was kind of at the end of my rope. 
and I broke down. And at the time I was always like, why God is this happening to me? You know, just that, that blaming victim mentality, which is hard to shake. And I had every reason to be upset. You know, I had all the excuses in the world, but I was just saying, why me? Like, why did this happen to me? I thought I was healthy. I thought I was doing everything right. And out of nowhere, uh, it was just one of those light bulb moments. And I thought to myself, wait, wait a second. If I can get over this somehow, like, I don't know how, but if I could, I could help so many people. And it took the focus off of myself and put it on to other people. And that became, everyone talks about, oh, you find your why and all this stuff. That became my, my source of inspiration. Because if I was only doing this for myself, I would have given up way, way long ago. I mean, life was miserable. I was so unhappy. I had no money. I had no girlfriend. I had nothing. I would have just quit, you know, mm-hmm. honestly. So if you're trying to get off medication or get to a point where you are in love with your life, you need something to anchor you somewhat. If you're just doing it for yourself or you're just doing it for a reason that's not intense, <laughs> you'll, you probably won't do it because it, it, it's going to take time and there's no real like I'm not a doctor again, so I'm not advising anyone to get off your medication, but there's no cut and dried formula for getting off medication or anything like that. I would just always try to pull myself out of a flare without the medication, which probably isn't the safest thing ever. And then be like, this isn't working. I'm done. Screw it. I'm taking prednisone again. So that was kind of my method of doing it. And eventually I just got to the point where I could pull myself out and you just get to know yourself a little better. And now I can catch myself way sooner. I'll be like, oh, I'm starting to flare a little bit. And I'll, the worst I'll get is a very, very minor flare up because I catch it so fast. I'm like, I need a break. I need to do X. I need to do Y. I need to do Z. I have all these things in place that I know I need to do or just take a chill day, like calm down for a second, Nate, because I'm a very type A, like, let's go personality. Um, I don't know if that answers the question, but mm-hmm. you need you need something. Again, you can't overcome something if you if you don't think you can do it. And I know that sounds so ridiculous, but there are so many people on the Facebook forums and all these places. And I understand that we need to support each other. We need, we need space. You do have all the excuses in the world. If you are, if you're battling a chronic illness, you have every excuse to just, you know, kind of do whatever, like Mm -hmm. you, it's hard. It's really hard. No one would blame you. I don't blame you, but do you want to live like that? And that was my question for myself was, do I want to live like this? If there is mm-hmm. even a remote possibility of another option, life sucks right now. Like anything I do to get out of this is not going to suck worse than it already sucks. So I might yeah. as well just try, you know, um, I don't, I don't know if that totally makes sense. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you're totally right. Like going into the why, you know, I think when Chelsea and I first met and kind of decided to pursue all of this together. Um, I went through, well, when I, when I told Chelsea, I want to have a support group, you know, they don't have one of these here. And she's like, I want to be involved. And I was like, 
cool. And then she even had me go through her coaching program. She's like, I think that I could have a lot to offer the chronic illness community as well. Um, cause Chelsea doesn't have a chronic illness of her own. And she's like, you know, I want you to go through this and let me know what you think and how this, what applies to you and what doesn't apply to you as someone with a chronic illness. And one of the really great things was breaking down your why, you know, just like you said, like, why do you, um, why do you want to be able to have energy or why do you want this in your life or quality of life? And I have sometimes felt really blessed because my biggest why and motivation has been my son. Mm -hmm. And I think if I did, he's 12. And if I didn't have him to fight for every day, you know, the example that I'm setting for him and like overcoming difficulties in life and keeping on going and perseverance and et cetera, I think it would have been so much harder for me to kind of like give in to the misery that is so easy to have when you have a chronic illness or disability. And, um, I have sometimes, like I said, felt really lucky that I had that, um, that kind of like outside really intense, big motivation. And so I think it's really cool that you decided helping people was, you know, your, biggest, deepest motivation. Cause that's what Chelsea had me do is she's like, why do you want to do this? And then I would like write something down. She's like, okay, now why that? And I'm like, Oh, and I would write that down. And then why that and break it down and down and down and down. And then we'd get to that core one. And she's like, this is your why. And I'm like, fuck yeah, it is. And I'd be like fired up, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're right. Like if whenever you were, wherever you are in your health journey, whether that is like discussing getting off of medication, trying a new diet, trying a new exercise machine, try a uh, regime, trying a new kind of med medication, you do have to like have that little bit of drive to make you take the action to try something new and put yourself out there. Um, and then obviously to follow through, cause I know that I had to like swallow that courage pill try interview again. I was just a little bit like, Oh, and, and then same thing. You can't go into it, like feeling hopeless. Otherwise, yeah, it's, you may not even try something. If you're just hopeless, you're giving up on it before giving it a chance. Um, for sure. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I sounded really noble there with, Oh, I'm doing this to help other people. I really, <laughs> I really wanted a girlfriend. That's, that was another big reason. I was like, this sucks. I can't go on a date without running to the bathroom. Like nobody's going to want to date me. I have no money. I'm like, my ribs are showing. This is not cool. So that was another big motivation for me. And one other part of it is somewhere along the line, I decided that I am never going to give up. I was mm -hmm. just like, no, like, totally giving up was never really an option for me because I have so many people that love me and that would be so harmful and hurtful to them. So I was like, well, if I'm never going to totally give up, then might as well try, might as well just go yeah. for it. You know, I'll, I'll never give up. And I don't, I don't mean that by saying I did everything perfectly. There was plenty of times where I'd go on the crazy paleo diet or whole 30 or whatever. And then two weeks later, I'd be binge eating donuts and pizza and, you know, crying in the bathroom. Right. And so mm -hmm it's it's never a straight line and i know a lot of people say that but this took me 10 years mm -hmm. 10 years and that's one of the reasons i'm so passionate about doing stuff like this because i want to speed it up for other people but even if you do speed it up this is not going to be like a 30 day or 60 day or 90 day quick fix thing and that's why i'm saying it's so important to have something that will continually drive you and 
to decide that you're not going to give up. And even if you don't necessarily believe that you can overcome something like this, or you can get to a place where you feel good again, because you maybe forgot how that feels. I know I did. You can listen to other people, plug into, plug into podcasts like this, plug into uh, the first person I started listening to was Tony Robbins. And that guy's like insane. And I listen to him every day and I listen to some other coaches and I started reading books. I probably read 400 books on self-development and mm -hmm. you just get around that so much. And then all of a sudden you start talking like them. You start thinking like them and you wake up one day and it's not like magic, but you're a different person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You do have to like immerse yourself because mm -hmm. I noticed like Chelsea and I both, um, cause we like to do like workbooks and stuff. And then we like to do them together and talk about it, which is fun. But when we are not doing them, like I notice it's so much easier for me to like get all negative and, you know, and everything. And, um, okay. But then I'll say, so our listeners probably want to know, so did your plan work? Did you get a girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, <laughs> I, I'm actually moving up to Oregon in two months to be with her. I'm very excited. Oh, cute. Yay. Yay. And you've probably had to be apart for like COVID and everything. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten to see each other once in a while, but not much. So where in Oregon are you moving? Uh, Portland area. Okay, I'm actually from Portland. around there. I'm in LA oh, yeah. right now, but um, yeah. That's okay, cool. I have friends. My, my, one of my best friends lives in Bend. And so I've been there a couple of times. And so I like the Oregon area, but yay. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Nate's girlfriend. Woohoo. You're like the <laughs> prize. <laughs> I'm and I'm going to, I'm going to be kind of nosy because I ask nosy questions sometimes. Hey everyone. I know you're all cozy listening to our episode, but I wanted to take a moment to let you know how you can become even more cozy with some Spoonie merch. All right, so we got a merch store. Hopefully you've looked at it. If you haven't, that's okay. That's why I'm telling you about it now. We got some cool stuff on there. There's sweatshirts, there's long sleeve shirts, there's t-shirts, there's tank tops. There's stuff that just says the real life show living with a chronic illness so you can rep our podcast. But there's also stuff on there to just celebrate the Spoonie life you are living. We've got comfy stuff with, this is my all out of spoons outfit. So when you're not feeling your best, you can get all comfy cozy with a shirt that tells the world that you ain't feeling great to leave you alone. If that's your thing. We've also got stuff to help inspire you. I have a long sleeve shirt from our merch store that says dream, be happy, seek fulfillment, live your best life. And every time I put on that long sleeve shirt, I just feel so inspired and ready to take on the world. And it just reminds me that there's great stuff happening. So if you are interested in getting some Spoonie merch of your own, you can either head over to our website, therealspooniesunite.com, or the easiest thing is honestly just to swipe up or swipe down or whatever direction you need to get to the show notes because the link will be there. Now back to the show. Um, but a lot of our listeners, and we've talked about this on some other episodes, but it can be hard to date if you have a chronic illness. I mean, it's hard to date anyways, getting to know somebody, putting yourself out there. And then when you've got this health condition that is going to affect your life and the person that you could start dating their life too, how has your girlfriend been like receptive to your Crohn's? Like, has she been supportive? Like, was it weird for her? Did she care I, at all? <laughs> I basically don't have Crohn's anymore. So it almost doesn't, it doesn't really affect my life. Gotcha. Like, 
barely very at all cool anymore. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Inspirational. So, See people, it's possible. It is mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have occasional days, honestly, today actually, where I feel a little bit worse, but it's never like knocking me on my butt. You know, it's never taking me totally out of the game. So I had girlfriends in the past. Uh, I specifically remember one girl saying, I can't be with you because what if you get sick and you can't provide for our family? And she broke up with me. So, oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, everyone so, has their priorities. Sounds yeah, like she's I, not I, a good fit for you. Yeah, that's well you, said, Chelsea. <laughs> you have to be, I think, I, I'm very big on taking responsibility and taking ownership. And uh, I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, they should just love me for who I am. It's hard to date someone with chronic illness. I've, I've had a couple of girlfriends when I was really sick and they were always so sweet and so kind. Um, but I was trying so hard. And I think people saw that I was trying so hard to be the best I possibly could. I mean, I would have days and weeks even where I just play video games and do nothing. But overall, over a course of a year, I was constantly improving and trying to get better. And so if you're, if you have a chronic illness and you just expect someone to kind of put up with that and you're not doing anything about it, then mm, uh, you might want to examine that. But if you're, if you have a chronic illness and you're, you know, trying, trying to get better and working on it and all this stuff, which if you're a listener of this podcast, you probably are, then yeah, people can, I, I find that most people are very supportive. If you just are honest with them, I mm-hmm. started being very honest with most of my friends, um, not overly honest, <laughs> but if it comes up, you can tell people. And cause I, I see that a lot on the forums, like you said of like, Oh, do I tell my boyfriend? We just started dating. When, when is the right time to tell him when I usually would tell people on the first date, like I got Crohn's disease. What's your problems? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, everyone has something. Yeah, every- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's really cool to hear. And I mean, yeah, we don't want to like be sounding like sexist or whatever, but again, we are like so glad to get a dude on here that it's really nice to hear like a dude's perspective because Chelsea and I have dived into various dating experiences of mine, you know, and like gone through that, but it's actually really nice to hear like a dude's perspective. And especially for you hearing, you know, overall that you feel like people are supportive. Um, that's very cool too. And that you kind of told people on the first date, cause that is something that comes up. Like I see that in a lot of the Facebook groups and stuff like that too. Um, I, I found that like when I was kind of dating around for my own kind of fun, nothing serious, <laughs> then I didn't tell anybody. And sure. I was like, that's my business, you know? And, um, but then like we talked, um, someone that I was with in the beginning of the year, um, they really wanted me to spend the night. And I was like, no, I was terrified. I was such a big no, no for me. And it was because of my illness and like what my symptoms are like overnight and in the morning. And I don't want to be around anybody. And I wasn't used to it. I'd been single for years. And I was like, uh, uh, and so after a ton of like convincing, I ended up agreeing later we got him on the podcast and Chelsea asked him about that instance. And I, I hadn't even thought about it. It turned out that he was ending up feeling a little bit insecure that I kept saying no, that I wouldn't Mm -hmm. spend the night when we'd already like been together. And then it was like, shit, I didn't even think about that. I was only thinking about my insecurities and not thinking about how actually when I was freaking out about my own stuff, I made this person feel 
like unsure about themselves. And it was actually really good to like discuss. And if I had maybe been more upfront and honest in the way that you were, that might have opened up a door that could have avoided all of the weird awkwardness. Sure. And I wasn't like that. Sorry. I wasn't like that always. Mm-hmm. I had to learn that because first I didn't share at all. And then I overshared. And then I got to the point where you just, just be honest. Like mm-hmm. if I was hanging out with a group of friends and I was feeling really crappy and I had brain fog and uh, you know, whatever, I would just tell them, I'd be like, Hey guys, I'm, I'm feeling kind of crappy today. Have a little bit of brain fog. So if I'm just sitting in the corner, not mad at you or anything, I'm just not feeling super good, but I'm stoked to be here and hang out with you guys. And I would Mm -hmm. literally say that. And I think people are so afraid to say, like, don't say it as a complaint. Don't say it as whining. Mm -hmm. Don't say it as anything like that. Just say, look, I want to hang out with you guys, but I'm feeling like crap. I would do that all the time too. I'm feeling like crap today. Can we, instead of going to the beach, you guys mind coming over and playing a board game? Like, is that cool? Mm -hmm. Most of the time people are like, yes, like we want to spend time with you. We want to support you. We'll give you back massages, like, you know, whatever. Lucky, who are your friends? Yeah. I have good friends. So I got good friends. <laughs> you do have good friends. Yeah. I'm like, I want those back massages. What? But I think we overcomplicated in our heads because we're like, oh, I don't want to be seen as a whiner or mm-hmm. whatever. But you can say you're having a hard day without complaining. It's yes, you can. It's very possible to do. Very possible to do. Just state it. And I think if you're, if you're, dating around or whatever, just for fun, obviously not telling people probably preferable, but if you're, if you're looking for someone to be with, um, I think a first date would be a fine time to tell them because mm-hmm. if they are not happy about that, then it's probably not going to work out. You know, you yeah. might be dealing with this for a couple of years <laughs> and it's okay. Like can, yeah. that's one of the things that Chelsea and I talked about too, was like, it's okay for someone to also say, this isn't what I want for my life. And that's sure. up to them too. Um, you know, everyone has their choice. And so that, that's true. Like it would kind of suck to get halfway down the road with somebody, you know, where you think things are going really well. And then they're like, actually, yeah, I'm not really about this, you know? And then you, you may as well just take care of it in the beginning. I agree. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I love that perspective of being honest and not complaining about how you feel. And I feel like the entire world needs to get better at this. Like there's so many parts of this podcast. I'm like, okay, this does not just apply to people that have chronic illnesses. This is for the world and being honest about how you feel that day with zero guilt, but also not complaining necessarily about it. I think something that we could all do a little bit better at, like we don't all have to show up every day feeling 110% with endless amounts of energy. Like we can take on the world. Like that's not, realistic and so it would be really great if just everyone was more honest of like yeah today is not like mm-hmm. i'm at an eight out of ten today right. instead of like a ten out of ten like i am gonna be here for an hour and that's all i have and i'm leaving and i mean I, i've done that many times mm-hmm. and i wish we just did it more i would do that with myself uh every morning just rate myself like okay nate how are you feeling 20 percent, 30 percent Forty percent, negative five thousand percent. Like, where are you at? Because guilt is a huge factor in this, and you're always driving yourself to, you know, do more. And if you're not living up to your potential, oh, I'm not enough. I'm not whatever. Um, and that helped me a lot. If I woke up and after my morning routine or whatever, then I would assess myself and be like, ah, I'm kind of at a twenty percent today. Then I would do a twenty percent workout. I would go for a walk instead of doing my CrossFit or you know whatever crazy workout. And I feel fine about that. Um, there's a lot of little different things that you can um, kind of accumulate over time. And I 
exactly what you said. The world, the whole world needs to do these things. It's not just people with chronic illness. And that is how I got healthy. I listened mm -hmm. to people who were insanely healthy, who had insane energy, who were super fit, who had amazing relationships. I didn't necessarily listen to people who were um, dealing with a chronic illness, although I did listen to some of that. But it's important to focus on getting healthy. Like, don't focus on the fact that you're sick. You want to focus on the what are people that are really healthy doing? Because there's a strategy there. They're, they're healthy for a reason. Like, they have insane energy for a reason. And it may take you a while to get there. But if you start implementing little pieces and chunks of what people are saying on this podcast, what other podcasts are saying, what other books are saying, little pieces and chunks a little bit at a time, then you start moving in the direction of health. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Um, Chelsea, this makes me think of our discussion that we had, what day is it today? Last week about, we read, um, I read The Secret and um, I was bitching about the health chapter in it. <laughs> and we ended up doing a podcast episode about it. It hasn't come out yet. Um, I finished the book, by the way. And so if this episode comes out after our pod or after the secret one, which I by think the, it will. By the time this episode comes out, that manifestation. Okay. Episode will so be I would like to take this opportunity to say that, yes, you should read it. It was good. I was angry at the moment that we did that episode, but it's also really good. But the reason I bring it up is I feel like this is, I feel like you are like tapping right into one of the things that we discussed, which was, okay, in the secret, it basically says that your mind and law of attraction, et cetera, the frequency, the universe, you can like attract healing to you. Um, we discussed it as the mindset that you have to have in order to get that healing and that health of positivity of, I will be well of listening to the healthy people. Like you said, um, what are they doing that works? It almost like makes your actions go into that direction of health. Like it's not just the universe magically you're healing, you're healed because of your mind. It just changes your mindset. So your behaviors change and my open doors to get you into the world of health. That made sense, right? You guys are nodding. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I'm on track. Yeah, okay. I followed it. Okay. Good. Because would you, cause I feel like you're actually like a really good example of that being the case. It's like you filled yourself with positive stuff instead of getting stuck with the negativity of living with a chronic illness or disability, you flooded yourself and consumed yourself with everything positive, with the behaviors and patterns that healthy people were doing with all of that info that, like you said, one day you kind of wake up and you like notice that you are actually thinking a little bit differently. Your mm -hmm. perspectives have shifted a bit in a positive direction. And then I'm sure your behaviors changed a little bit. And that then led you to this world of health in your own body. Would you, would you say that that's like a little bit maybe accurate? I'm a big, big believer in meditation and visualization. Mm -hmm. But it's a it creates it works because it creates an upward spiral. And most of us with chronic illness are in a downward spiral. So you're sick, you feel like crap, so you don't do anything, then you get sad, you don't go hang out with your friends, you lose your job, now you're sadder, now you're sicker, you're you're going down. Does that make sense? You want to go up. So you want to do everything you can to start going up. So you start filling your brain with positive messages, more podcasts, reading books, hanging out with people who are maybe not quite so negative. And at the same time, 
implementing the stuff you're learning because yeah, you like, ex- I think that's what you were trying to say is this upward spiral and downward spiral is exactly like yep. the kind of visual that I had of, yeah, like getting yourself in that direction. And so I think that was, yeah, worded beautifully. And interestingly enough too, with you saying like the visualization and how effective that is, um, I was just watching one of the videos from Rachel in our hub and she was doing the brain rewiring class in there. And one of the things that she was discussing was uh, that there was a study done with people doing like bicep curls. And I don't know all the statistics she, she did, but basically these people, there was two groups. One of them was doing the bicep curls. The other group was not physically doing them, but they would like basically meditate and visualize that they were doing them. And they like got more muscle mass than the people doing them, which is like mind blowing, which those were her words too. It's the, it's the mind body connection. Yeah. You shouldn't just go through the motions of your workout. Yes. It's why Pilates is more effective than other exercises sometimes. And because of the the way that we approach it. We're both Pilates instructors, Nate. (laughs) Gotcha. So we're a little bit biased. (laughs) A little biased. But I am, I like, we were, before we started recording, Nathan and I were talking about how like we're both personal trainers and looking at health and fitness in a kind of different ways. And so I say that like, I like Pilates for that reason, because it makes you connect to the muscles that you're using with not just your body going through the motions, but it makes your mind connect to them too. And so even if I'm doing something that's not technically like in the Pilates repertoire, when it comes to movement, I take that same principle in with any type of physical training that I'm doing, whether it's with myself or with a client. And I think it makes a big difference for it's kind of that same reason. I mean, professional athletes are doing that. Mm-hmm. All the p- basketball players, they're visualizing them size themselves, making free throws over and yeah. over. Yeah. This is, I think it's going to start coming into the mainstream a little bit more because it's still a little bit woo woo. I'm not yeah. quite sure why, but it's still a little bit woo woo. But every everyone at the top of the athletes, uh, stockbrokers, anyone yeah. at the CEOs, all these people at the top of their game are meditating, they're visualizing. That's actually how I realistically kind of attracted my girlfriend because two years ago I wrote down everything I wanted in a relationship, I not love in this. a girl, everything I wanted in a relationship. relationship. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote down some uh, attributes of, of somebody I would like. I looked at that list and I said, okay, who do I have to be in order to attract that kind of person? And that's, I think, again, what you were saying. If you are going to visualize or write down a list of qualities you want in a person, okay, you have to become like that, yeah. right? If That's why I like writing down, I think that was Tony Robbins that suggested that, to write down your ideal relationship because then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. who do I have to be in order to show up in a relationship in that way? And then I've known this girl actually for nine years, very long time. We've just been friends for a very long time. And the last time I was up there visiting, we happened to hang out and it just clicked. And she had actually done this a year and a half ago too. And we read them and we were like, whoa, that's insane. Like match made in heaven, super identical craziness. So it definitely works. And I've done that with Crohn's disease. I visualized myself as being super healthy, super fit, super strong for years, for mm-hmm. a long, long time. Um, and it's hard at first. 
it's not, I think a lot of people expect to sit down when they meditate or visualize for the first time and be like super zen out and whatever. And I've been meditating for five, six years now. And I still sit down and my heart starts beating and I'm mm -hmm. like stressed out and I'm sweating. And I think of all the horrible things that are happening. Like your brain, you're giving your brain the space to let loose a little bit when you sit down. Mm -hmm. So you can't expect just to zen out yeah. when you, when you start meditating right away. I mean, even I after years. I feel like the, the Zen moment is like, um, for me is more after I've meditated, like the process of actually meditating. I, I feel the same way. Like my heart is racing and my thoughts are swirling, but it's like going through the process of just like letting those thoughts like flow through without judgment, without giving them too much energy that it's afterwards. So I'm like, Oh, now I feel mm -hmm. so much more chill. And I, the visualization meditations are my favorite because of them being able to kind of like guide my mind so that I don't have all of the million things going on in my brain. Um, I definitely really like those. I'm so excited that you guys like kind of like in a way manifested each other because that's, that's what, yeah, that's so fun. Chelsea and I are all about that. And, um, I'm really glad that you shared that because especially with you using all of the words of like visualization and then with you writing it down, like who do you have to be to attract that person to you? It does go into like, you know, sometimes I think people misunderstand like manifestation and the law of attraction that if you just like say, I'm going to have it, it just magically appears, but you have to do your own things. And I really like um, using the words of like visualization because you're right. Like athletes do it all the time. And, um, the statistics about that are pretty amazing. So yeah. Why wouldn't one want to visualize what it would feel mm -hmm. like to be healthy? And I agree. I don't think you, you probably can't get there without it. I think it's probably an element because it just, because of the way that influences like your behavior and your actions too. You, you want to do, if you're chronically sick, you want to do everything you can to get yourself in that upward spiral. Like I said, and you don't have to do it all at once. You, you can take time, but you want to implement different parts. There is, there is no magic pill. There, there's no like, people ask me, oh, what probiotic are you taking? Oh, what this, what that? It, it's really not, a, not about that. Again, look at healthy people, see what they're doing. They're doing, they're exercising, some kind of exercise uh, consistently. They're eating mostly whole foods. They're meditating. They're visualizing. They have excellent relationships. They're doing gratitude practices. They're journaling. They're like, there's a whole list. They have a morning and evening routine. Like there's a whole list of things that these people are doing and you don't have to implement them all at once, but it's not, it's not honestly that complicated. And I think there is a lot of money to be made and making it complicated. And our brains like to make it complicated, especially mine. I'm like a strategy guy. So I'm always like, oh, uh, you know, this is, I got to do this over here and that over here and What's, this over here. What and, is the yeah. perfect order and the exactly. amount of times to do? How can I optimize this and make it even more time? Yeah, I'm the same way when it comes to morning routines. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes. I'm going to journal for 10 minutes. I'm going to read for this. I'm going to, and all of a sudden I'm like, this is going to take me two hours and I'm not a morning person. Right. And in the end, it's just like, I just have to do something Right. <laughs> like five minutes is enough. Some like a minute of something is enough. Just do it. <laughs> Things to start moving you in that direction there, mm -hmm. there, you just try not to let, I mean, if you miss it, have a bad day, you have a couple bad days, you have a bad week. Okay. 
that's fine. You have a chronic illness, you know, but try not to let a month go by. Try not to let two months go by where you are not doing something to move yourself towards feeling better. If you mm-hmm. wake up one morning and you're just like, you know, I have, I'm just going to have a bad day. I used to have bad months. I say this to people all the time. I used to have bad months and then I started having bad weeks and then I started having bad days and now I have bad hours. Really? I don't, I can't remember the last time I had a bad day. Cause I just, there are parts of the day that are bad, but there are other parts every day that I'm trying to do something, even if it's just, oh, I'm going to have a super healthy smoothie for breakfast. That's all I'm going to do for today to could help me move towards feeling better. So it doesn't have to be crazy, mm-hmm. but you do, again, you do want to be just moving in that direction because it's so easy, especially when you're sick, it is so easy to get sucked into negativity mm-hmm. when you're, there's so much research. If I don't know if you guys have talked about this on this podcast before, there's an insane amount of research, especially with gut uh, pain that is directly affecting your emotions in a major, major way. Mm-hmm. If your if your stomach is upset all the time, you're scientifically like your body is making you sad. <laughs> so yeah. you have to do everything you can to counteract that. And you can do it, but it's it's hard. It's challenging, you know. So I like the way you just phrase that of if you're like, if your stomach is upset, it's your body making you sad, not necessarily that you are sad. So your stomach is upset because I think that like in the, the, the literature that I've seen in like the, the podcast I've listened to, a lot of people are like, it's the emotion that you're holding on to that's causing this physical trauma in your body, which can happen. But I, I like that mindset flip of, okay, there's something wrong. Like there's something going on with you physically that's affecting you emotionally. So how can you make those emotions better? How can you combat those emotions and maybe kind of swing it the other way to then start affecting your physically? I just, I thought that was a really great, subtle, just flip that can Mm -hmm. make a big difference. You just want to come at it from every angle. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many people are just coming at it from one angle. They're like, just focus on the body or they're just focused on their emotions or they're just focused on their relationships or whatever. If you want to have a, an amazing life and be really healthy, you, you really need to, to start examining different areas of your life. Um, how are your relationships doing? If you have a crappy relationship, that's going to mess with your gut. Like it, it's just going to, if, if you have negative friends or you watch the news all the time or you mm-hmm. know, all these different like all these different plugins and that's it can become listy it can become like oh my gosh there's so many things i have to do and that's why i would encourage you to read to listen to podcasts to just change the source of the inputs because if you do that you will slowly improve over time as opposed to trying to do everything and freaking out about the list and oh i got to do all this stuff you know does that make sense yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like give you yourself a break. Something. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pick one thing and just do it. And I right. love yeah. that the idea of going kind of through what you're doing, what you're exposing yourself to in your daily life, whether you're watching the news, I deleted the Facebook app on my phone um, a couple weeks ago because I just kept finding myself going on these very scary rabbit holes that had to do with COVID and the world. And I was like, okay, I can't take this anymore. And I'm like, this is obviously not good. I'm just spending a ton of time 
with content that's not supporting me that's like kind of adding to my anxiety so I deleted it and I don't miss it at all and then every once in a while I have to go check like our Facebook group and I'm like Mm -hmm. oh let's here's 25 notifications I don't care about any of this Yeah, but see, that is that that you're right. Like it, it's it could be something small. I I noticed that checking my email was really stressful for me. I've had to deal with like some stressful emails over the last few months, and um, I noticed that like I would dread opening my email, which was such a flip from where my email was like always a happy place. Like for example, um we won this Aerie grant and Chelsea and I are Aerie change makers. So we get these really great emails from Aerie and it's like awesome. And I can't wait to open my inbox. And then I started like, there was other stuff I was dealing with through my email that I dreaded opening it. So I made the small shift of like, okay, I don't open my email at all until I've like had the coffee, gotten dressed, maybe had breakfast and I've like sat down and I kind of take a deep breath and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready nothing can hurt me. And then I like open the email, you know? And then like at night when I'm like watching something and like multitasking and I'm like going through my phone, I'm like, Oh, it says I have 5,000 emails. I should probably open this. Then I'm like, no, I'm not opening my email at night. I'm not going to like do this to myself. And so it's, it could be the smallest thing that you decide to change, but just that little thing of like not opening my email in the morning at certain times than not at night has been dramatically helpful for my mental health. And so um, seeing our time here and knowing we have to wrap up kind of soon, do you, so are you working with a lot of people as a life coach and are, do you have any percentage of people that might be chronically ill or disabled or do you see everybody? Do you only work with people like that? Tell us just a little bit about that too. I was working at a gym down here as a personal trainer. I've done coaching with people with illness, with people without illness, with online fitness coaching with, yeah. So the whole gambit over the last eight years, that's pretty much all I've been doing. Um, I'm very excited because on January 2nd, I'm launching a mastermind online for people specifically with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, IBS, IBD. Um, I want to create a group that I would have wanted to be in. So something that meets once a month for a couple hours a day and, or a couple hours, and I'm going to be doing a little teaching and then just a good solid community that is not kind of what you guys are doing. That is not filled with just negativity and whining, Mm -hmm. but that are building each other up and saying, Hey, no, we can do this. And and I want to have, you know, workouts because I'm a personal trainer. I want to have workouts. I want to have uh, prizes, a contest, all this stuff, just everything of what I've been saying about how we want to get that upward spiral. I want to get all these people in an upward spiral. So I want to work with them over the period of a year and see what we can do in a year. And I'm super stoked about it because mm-hmm. I've never coached 20 people at once. I've coached, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one-on-one and stuff like that. But that's what I'm really focused on right now. Um, is just being able to reach more fee- people in a still very intensive, almost one-on-one way without it being super expensive because mm-hmm. the amount of money people have to pay for personal training and stuff like that, when you're really sick, it, it's just, you don't usually have access to that. Mm-hmm. So I want to make it affordable for people, but I also want to really provide something that can, can really transform 
their life over a period of a year or, or two years or something like that. So um, that's what I'm focused on right now. That's awesome. It sounds awesome. It sounds super awesome. So yeah. Nathan, where can people find you on the internet? Because I'm sure they're going to want to go follow you so they can learn about everything you have to offer and just follow your journey. Thanks. Yes. Um, Nathan Olson. Dot com, uh, Nathan Olson on Instagram, uh, the chronic warrior show, I believe on Facebook. And that is the name of my podcast as well. That's on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, if you look up the chronic warrior show or Nathan Olson or the chronic warrior on YouTube, I'll pop up there. Um, so pretty much some version of the chronic warrior or Nathan Olson on any platform. I should come up. <laughs> Sweet. Fantastic. Well, Nathan, this has been really, really fun. It's been great having you share your example of using mindset visualization and just following the examples of other healthy, healthy people to create health within yourself and get a girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank this was God. a super inspiring Finally. hour. Yeah. So, <laughs> so fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you love this podcast and want to show your support, please leave a review, share the podcast with others, or join us in the Spoonie Hub. If you'd like to connect with Cassie and I, you can find us on Instagram at The Real Spoonies Unite or on our website, mywellnesshub.co, where you can find all sorts of resources and you can find the Spoonie Hub. Talk to you soon.